Good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, May 20th, 2020. As we continue our Go on the Offensive series, we want to bring your attention to what God has been doing in our midst. This last series was Into the Darkness, where we elevated the Word of God. You guys remember that? We learned that trusting in His Word proves its sufficiency, its supremacy, and its ability to light our way with no substitutes so that we can send sons who serve and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen. Church, thus far in our Go on the Offensive series, we've learned to live in a full throttle way that lets us walk into the waters of difficulty before they open up. We make the sea flee from us. That's the way we do it. See, we yeah. set out from our places and we go after it. Somebody say, go after it. Go after it. See, we learn to take Jesus at his word. We learn to let the lion of the word loose in our lives. Somebody say, full throttle. Full throttle. See, we're doing all of this while we're walking on level ground. Yep. The kind of level ground that not only levels our lives, but also prepares level ground for those around us to experience the kingdom of God to its fullest. Somebody say, amen. Amen. Listen, as we begin tonight, we want to take the mass of God's word. Everybody say mass. And combine it with the movement of the spirit. Say movement. Movement. Because the title of tonight's sermon is Momentum. Say momentum. Momentum. To help out guys like myself, we Googleated this word, Momentum. Momentum is defined as the quantity of motion of a moving body measured as a product of its mass and velocity, otherwise known as movement. Look, that next word, by the way, the impetus gained by a moving object. Somebody say impetus. Impetus. Not impotence, but the impetus, the force. The, the, uh, the strength, the movement that is created yep. with, when mass and velocity or mass and movement get together. See, simply put, momentum is when you multiply mass and movement. It's science. Thanks, Keith. It's science, it people. Is. Oh, thank, yes. But what we're after is, is digging into what this means for us tonight. What we're after tonight, church, is for the mass of God's word. Somebody say his word. His word. To be multiplied by the movement of his spirit. Somebody say his spirit. His spirit. So that you, somebody say it's about me. It's about me. That you will gain momentum in ways that will impact your life, your family, and carry it forward into the generations. See, this is what the Lord is doing in us. He's working in us to not only create the mass of God's word on the inside of you, but to get you moving in the right direction. And when you put both of those things together, momentum has to have its own science formula. (laughs) It's not just having the mass. It's not just moving, but it's putting those two things in together in a kind of a way that makes you unstoppable. Come on, let's all turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18 tonight. So, Pastor, just to get this clear as I turn to Deuteronomy 18, when it's science, that means it's predictable every single time. That when you have mass times movement, you're going to get momentum. Come on, that is... Okay, I just want to be sure. Deuteronomy 18, 17. Say momentum if you're there. Oh, we got it now. 
The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers. Oh, listen to this. I will put my words in his mouth. This is something that we have been going over again and again of God taking his heavenly word and put it inside of our mouths because he wants to accomplish something. And he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will hold him to account. See, looking at this exact scripture, we see that God is putting his words in the prophet's mouth, just like he puts his word in our mouth. And words that carry weight, meaning that they have mass, are the ones that come from God himself. When he speaks, it has mass, it has weight, it carries and it builds momentum. See, his word in our mouth brings revelation of God's will. Haven't you experienced that before? As you read God's word, as it comes into your heart and out of your mouth, you're gaining a greater revelation of what God's will is. In addition to that, it is also incumbent to have accountability to it. When God's word is put into your mouth and it has weight and it has mass, it does bring revelation of God's will so that there can be an accountability to what has been revealed. See, let me reference this for you. Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 2 says this. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Doesn't that sound like a spectrum? From the heavens down to the earth, his word that has weight and that has mass is affecting the highest of heavens and even the deepest of earth. Verse 2 says this, let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. See, not only does his mass, his weight of his word reach the highest of heavens or go to the depths of the earth, it has weight and mass that brings forth life-changing power. This same word that is being spoken of here is what has taken effect inside of you, is what's transformed you and brought life from heaven to earth. Come on, let's look at Psalm 19 together in verse 1. See, we're talking about the mass of God's word. Why are we talking to you about it this way? So that you understand it's not just a sound that's coming forth. There's something tangible when the word of God begins to be activated. There's something physical that happens. There's something inside of you. There's something around you. It has weight. It has, you can touch it. You can feel it. It's not just something you hear. It's something that has weight and mass to it. Consider Psalm 19 verse 1. It says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. Somebody say declare. Declare. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Who's the they? The heavens, the skies. There's something that is being spoken from the heavens. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their voice. The voice of what God has created in the heavens. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Consider that, that that is what God has created with his words. Yeah. It's got mass. You can see the stars. You can see the earth around you. Why? Because his word spoke it into existence. Yeah. Now, it's one thing when we're talking about God's word. God's word that has mass, that does things. When, when God... When, when we talk about a car, we envision a picture. If God would talk about it, there would be one created. 
This is how his word works. It creates things. It moves things within us. Let's consider what our words are there. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 19. His words are there. Proclaiming, declaring, speaking forth, night after night, day after day, to the ends of the earth. Now let's consider this in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 19. Say momentum when you get there. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. Come on, man. Some of us just need to revel for a second in the fact, wasn't that basically our entirety of our worship service? The Lord was reminding us, I am with you. The Lord is with us. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. My goodness. He let none of his words fall to the ground. God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. What is that like? Anybody ever said anything that you wish you could take back? Oh, yeah. Anybody ever said anything that was just frivolous and silly? Are mean and ill-spirited? See, because God was with Samuel, he let none of his words fall to the ground. I have to be honest with you. I love this passage. It means something to me personally. I want to have my words where they don't fall to the ground. Where, Where when you're speaking something, that they're from the heavens and it won't fail to happen. It wasn't just made up in my own mind, out of my own heart. It was driven by the mass of God's word. I read this verse in a different way than I ever have this afternoon. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. The way that I've always read this, and God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. What if you read it the opposite way? The reason that God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground was because Samuel let none of God's words fall to the ground. Come on, that's good. What if God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground because Samuel never let one of God's words exit his mouth and fail to take root in Samuel's heart? Look at what it goes on to say. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through some magical process. No, no, no. There he revealed himself to Samuel. How? Through his word. See, this is the way God does it. When, when our words are God's words, our words, somebody say our words. Our words. Somebody say my words. My words. My words start to have mass. They start to be weighty. Is there anyone that you can think of that when they speak, you want to just stop what you're doing and listen? Yeah, that's our elders right that's there. Exactly that's, right. that's exactly what I think of when I think of our elders. Why? Because their words have weight. Yes. What they say matters to you. You should listen. Why? Because their words are God's words. And what you learn to do is you learn to trust in this, that the constant revelation through God's words, listen to this, will produce weightiness in our words. You want some weightiness to your words? Then you need to get more of the word in you. You need to make sure that you let none of God's words fall to the ground. You're listening. You're looking. You're diving in and you're saying, I see this word and now I'm going to do something about it. And that will add the weightiness to your words. See, it's not just that you have a nice baritone voice. It's not about the pitch of your voice. It's about the condition of your heart. 
It's about how seriously you take the word. And for those who take the word seriously, the word has mass in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. That's a good word. Go to Jeremiah 15 and say momentum whenever you're there. We will start at verse 19. With the word of God. The word of God. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, conditional phrase, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. See, how this begins is with a promise that repentance is going to precede power. And God's aim is always restoration. And it starts by the weightiness of his word. He goes on to say, if you utter worthy, say worthy, worthy. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. Imagine if you're Jeremiah and this word is coming to you. It's a weighty word. It's a life-giving rebuke. He's calling for Jeremiah to repent and begin to represent him rightly as his spokesman. Begin uttering worthy, not worthless words. Well, this is a weighty word to Jeremiah, but it's also a weighty word to us. That we stand as ambassadors. We stand as sons with the spirit of sonship at work within us to represent his name. You see, as God's spokesman, Jeremiah and us, we must begin by repenting from our own empty, weightless, and worthless words. I'm talking about the words that are derived from your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own feelings. Haven't we we been covering that element of comparison to God's word, our thoughts, our emotions, and our feelings? See, we must turn from this empty form of speech and begin to give worthy counsel from heaven. That kind that contains mass, it contains weight, that's calling for the repentance of others without compromise. No additives, no subtractions from what God has already told you to say. You see, worthy words are equal to words with mass. Words from the heaven that have weight and that have mass. When you are speaking worthy words of mass... You then can have confidence. Do you want confidence? Yes. You then can have confidence that people must turn to you. Let me say that again. When you're speaking worthy words of mass, you can then have confidence that people must turn to you because you are presenting a weighty word from heaven, one with mass, and one that prevents you from turning to them. There is no compromise. There is no shortcuts. That repentance is what precedes power for you. It's the same exact process for them because the same weighty word with mass is what's calling for your repentance that leads to power and likewise for those that you share with. Amen. Let's turn to Jeremiah 23, just a few pages away. Jeremiah 23. See, if we're talking about momentum, momentum is mass times movement. See, it's not just something that has mass. It's something that is moving. 
trying to do as a church is we're trying to increase, <clears throat> increase our mass. I'm doing well at that in certain ways. We're trying to increase the mass of what our words are because we have God's words. Look at Jeremiah 23, 21 for an incredible few verses here. It says, I did not send these prophets. Yet they have run with their message. Somebody say run. Run. God did not send them, (laughs) but they are running with the message. Wow. I did not speak to them. Yet they have prophesied. What? <laughs> I don't have to ask if we've ever spoken before we actually had a word. I don't have to ask that because we're all in this room and we're family and we know that that's happened. Yeah. See, God is looking at these things saying, I didn't send them. Yet they've run with the message. Yeah. Come on now, young men. Come on now, young women. <laughs> Saying things because you want to get recognition. Saying things because you want people to look at you a certain way. Running without having a message, yet they have their own. God did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. I just want to tell you right now that this is movement without starting with the Mass. They, They missed having the Mass of God's Word implanted into their heart. Having an impetus of movement, of strengthening them, of causing them to be equipped so that they could run. They just started running. Yeah. Anybody ever started doing something before you didn't under, before you understood what you were supposed to be doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, what was it again that I was supposed to be doing? I have no idea how to accomplish that. Someone who wants to run but has nothing to say. Come on, think about it. Any one of your children. I'm going to make it the children to 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 alleviate you for just a second. It's the kids, right? It's the little ones. Yeah. They fight for your attention. Dad, 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 daddy, daddy-o, dad, pop, dad. And then when they finally get your attention, what do they do? Uh, Bird. (laughs) That's a a real story. That's a real real story. (laughs) Church, we do the same thing. It's not just our kids. We're trying to get the attention of somebody. We want to tell them something, but we really don't have anything to say. See, I'm reminded of Ahimaaz. I'm reminded. Now, you may not remember his name, but you'll remember the story. Oh, yeah. A man who said, I got to run. I want to be a messenger. Let me run. What are you going to say? I don't know, but I have to run and I have to run now. Fine. Go ahead and run. He gets all the way to King David. King David's like, what do you have to say? Um, it was kind of confusing and busy, and I'm not sure. <laughs> Stand over to the side. Yeah. You, you ran all this way. We could even tell when you were running up. We're like, this guy looks like Ahimaaz. He really likes to run. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if he ran really funny. He didn't move his arms. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what was going on. But they could tell from a long distance, and he had nothing to say. So the king put him off to the side. Maybe some of us have been, we feel like we've been put off to the side, but it's just because you're running 
you have movement without mass to your words. Maybe it's wow. like what Jeremiah 12 tells us in that you've been worn out running with the men around you. We got horses that we want you to be able to run with, to be able to move with. See, we want you to be able to go full throttle on level ground. By the way, you understand that when you hit something full throttle, you are immediately not as fast as you're going to get, right? You know that when you hit the pedal to the metal, it will take a while for you to get at maximum velocity, maximum movement. Why did we tell you about level ground? Because you need to be going on level ground so that you can get to top speed. See, but it's not just getting to a speed. Perhaps you've been running with the men and getting worn out because you have nothing to say when you get there. Mm. Reminds me of a merry-go-round. Yep. A lot of motion gets me a little dizzy. As a matter of fact, I kind of like the dizzy feel. Maybe your movement is creating a dizzying effect in your own life. You're so busy running around from person to person in the cycle that you've been running in. Whatever that little cycle that you're in, it's like a merry-go-round. The problem with the merry-go-round is you never get anywhere. You just get a little dizzy. It's a child's game where you never have mass. You only have movement. Look at verse 22 in Jeremiah. Look at what it says now. Listen to the answer for these prophets who were running with a message that they didn't have. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people. And they would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. Church, do you hear what Jeremiah is advocating for here? He is advocating for someone to stand in the counsel of God. To stand in the counsel of God that they might be counseled by God. Come on. To stand in His presence, to listen to His Word, to have that mass implanted into their life that they might have the right understanding that they can then run with. The mass of God's counsel is to produce movement that they would have proclaimed. That you have to go forward, but it's after that you get the mass of His Word. That way we can produce momentum. What happens in this verse? There is the mass of God's word in his counsel. There is the movement of proclaiming it to the ends of the earth. And what happens is that there is a momentum that not only results in a proclamation, but it turns people from their evil ways. It turns people from their deeds. Come on now. See, what we're talking about is where we are. This is where we're living as a church, isn't it? Yeah. We've spent the last few weeks talking about and elevating the Word of God. We've talked about it. We've, we've said it a hundred different ways, and we're going to keep doing it, by the way, Amen. because we cannot elevate the Word of God enough. See, and now we're talking about going on the offensive. Church, I know some of you, I know where you've been this week. I know that you've had demonic manifestations at the workplace. I know that you've had some things going on. See, but what the Lord is telling us is you've got to go on the offense. You've got to be on the offensive. You've got to do this. Why? Because I'm creating momentum in your life. I'm creating something. It's not just movement for the sake of movement. It's movement with the mass of God's word that will produce an effect. It impacts people. It turns them from their sins. It removes the evil ways. Come on now, who in your family needs to have a little bit of this going on? Come on, think about those relatives. Think about those people in your workplace. They need you to have momentum. And to have momentum, 
It's not just movement without mass. It's the movement times the mass. Movement without mass is a dangerous thing. It is. It endangers. Produces a fruitless, fickle, futile faith. But see, that's not who we are in this house, is it? Come on, amen. You know, when we go on the offensive, not only can we not have movement with no mass, it's also the inverse. We cannot have only mass with no movement. So go to Ezekiel chapter 33, and it'll illustrate this for you. Say momentum when you're there. Ezekiel 33, verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, a man whose job, whose task, whose call and position is to watch over the safety of God's people, if he has revelation, something tangible with mass that's approaching, and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people. That's movement. And the sword comes and takes the life of one of them. That man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Wow. There's an accountability that we have when we have received mass, a weighty word from heaven. Something that has been revealed by God that then we must do something with it. We have to move with it. See, God doesn't give you His manifest word, that weighty word with mass, just to hide it within a treasure chest and bury it six feet under the ground. God's word is living and it's active. So when it comes inside of you, you have to be living and active with that word that's inside of you. See, having mass with no movement, only makes us accountable for the blood of other people. What does it look like that time that the Spirit began to reveal a weighty word inside of you to share with a family member, to share with a neighbor, to share with a stranger, to share with somebody in here, and you just sat on it? You were fearful looking for the right opportunity, the right prediction of reception of that mass. But you held on to it for so long, and the time and the window and frame of opportunity pass by. Then you try to make up for it by sharing something that wasn't the weighty word that God gave you. You fumbled, it fumbled, and it didn't produce the life-transforming power that God originally intended. See, what? this is about paying attention to what we've been entrusted with. It's other people's lives. When God reveals the mass of His weighty word to you, it's to preserve your life and those that you're going to share it with. See, we can be ever praying, ever contemplating, but never moving. We're like that man who took the one talent that he was entrusted with, and we just buried it. See, what the master wants is a return because you've taken that weighty word and you've made it work for the master's return. See, we get trapped in this position of being too fearful to move. We have paralyzation through analyzation, right? We begin to try and forecast the reception of that weighty word. We don't have that opportunity. See, in our own eyes, 
Fear never appears to be just a clearly an issue of no movement. It's deceptive. Fear is false evidence appearing real, like an acronym, right? We more often focus on how much we want to get it right. See, fear disguises itself with a deceptive idea of, I just want to get it right. Because who purposely wants to go and get this wrong? Come on, now y'all are sitting there like pastor isn't just putting, hammering this thing right in the dead center of it. You're talking, he's talking about us. No, I'm not, I'm not afraid. Yes, you're afraid. Well, I just don't want to get it wrong. Then you have mass without movement. This is pastors, man, keep going, pastor. This is it. Look, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching about myself and I'm preaching about you. I know this because we sit down and have conversations. I don't know, how, how about just come down and stand right next to you and I'll talk all about you. Or I could just do it up here because it applies to everybody in the room. That we, we have to cast off the fear that confines our responsibility to move with the mass of God's weighty word that he's given us. You got to act on it. Because we have a responsibility to the lives of other people that God gave you that word for. Run. When you have that mass and weight of God's word, now it's time to, to have the zeal of Ahimaaz and run because you actually got something to bring. You got something to give. I mean, it's even better than having the best potluck dish at a fellowship gathering. You know when somebody's got something good for potluck, man, they're the first one there showing up. They're unraveling it. They got something weighty, something beneficial that everybody's going to partake of. How much more when we have the divine word of God with mass and weight inside of us? It leaves us in a position that we cannot wait to want to give it to somebody else. Verse 7, he goes on to say, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Listen, you don't represent just yourself. You represent God. And because that is the fact, when he gives you the weighty word with mass, he expects you to represent him as a watchman and give it for them from him. He made each and every one of you someone who is responsible in order to have momentum. Every single person, raise up your hand. Do this with me. Say, I, I have been tasked by God. Have been tasked by God. To create momentum. To create momentum. You put your hand down. Yes, I'm speaking to every person in this room. You've been made in the image of God. Therefore, you are tasked with the responsibility of taking the mass and weight of his word inside of you. Moving with it to create momentum for God. We're sitting in this room because one life after another, after another, wanted to have momentum for the kingdom of God. When you hear the word, and we read this in this passage, hear the word, we have to relate it to get mass. When we hear the term give them warning out of this passage, we have to get moving. So let me combine these together. Get mass. Say it with me. Get mass. Get mass. Get moving. Get moving. Let's do it again. Get mass. Get mass. And get moving. And get moving. Now you know what to do. See, church, this is what we need tonight. See, we can't be people who just have mass 
and don't move with it. By the way, that that mass of God's word begins to develop in you as you move. Yeah. If you're waiting for it to develop before you move, you miss the entirety of what God is trying to do. Neither can you start taking off and running before he gave you something to do. You have to have mass and then begin to move so that you begin to create momentum in your life. Come on now. What does it look like to have momentum? Man, it looks like LCM. This is what we're trying to do. We are building momentum. But if you're going to go back into the word of God, what does it look like to have mass and movement multiplied and producing momentum? Well, of course it looks like David. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. <laughs> For your average church, Jesus is the answer to almost any question from the stage. And this church, you say David or son of David, and you're probably going to win a lot of oh, times. Amen. Perhaps Israel. Maybe that's about, that's about <laughs> the answers that you need for here. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's look at David's life. Verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer... Well, that's, that's kind of threatening. The Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Yeah, he did. This little shepherd boy sees a giant. And you know what his response is? Oh, man, I'm going to go on the offensive right now. Here it is, baby. Let's go full throttle because I got level ground between yeah. me and you. I'm going to get this. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Mm. Mm. See, it wasn't just that David was able to run towards the battle. It was that David had mass. It was that David had stones. Come on, anybody got some stones in this house? Come on now. He had mass. He had stones and he was running towards the battle. Look at verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without even a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Now the enemy is already dead, but look what it continues on. David ran and stood over him. David ran to the battle. He defeated his enemy. And then what did he do? It's not enough. I'm not quite sure if you're dead yet. So I'm going to keep running because I got the word in me. I'm going to grab a sword. Yeah, buddy. I'm going to grab the sword. He ran, grabbed the sword, took, the, took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the scabbard. And he killed him. He cut off his head with the sword. Mm. Man, you want to talk about momentum? Yeah. He not only defeated the guy, he decapitated the guy. Yeah. He embarrassed him. He said, that's enough. You are not going to ever do this to me again. We got to have some people in this room that decide enough with these sinful things, enough with these enemies that keep being like a giant to me. I'm going to not only sling one of my stones at you here, I'm going to take a sword and I'm going to cut your head off. And then somebody say, and then, and then, oh, he ain't done yet. Do you see what happens when you're running and you've got the mass of God's word? What happens is there's a momentum that's being built and you see it in David. Look, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. One little shepherd boy with one shepherd's pouch full of stones that killed a giant. Man, what kind of momentum is David creating? And he's just a boy. He's just a youngin. See, his momentum continued on. It didn't just stop here in his life. He ends up becoming a king 
that Jesus says, I'm going to come as the son of David. Man, that's momentum in somebody's life. He not only had momentum toward the battle line, he had momentum that carried himself and all of the army and all of the people onto victory. This is a man with mass, with movement, and produced enough momentum to cause the enemy to tuck tail and run from one combatant. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Come on, man. Get it. See, we know these things about somebody else. We're trying to create people in this room that have that same kind of momentum. Man, it's one thing if you can ride a bicycle. If you get hit by somebody on a bicycle that's going 30 miles an hour, that might hurt a little bit. I'm not going to lie. That might hurt a little bit. Done it. <laughs> What's different between getting hit by a bicycle at 30 miles an hour or a train at 30 miles an hour? The mass is different, which produces a great deal of momentum difference. Yeah, it does. See, we're not just asking you to get going fast. Some of you guys will take off and run without a word. Conversely, the other half of you in here are going to have a word and be just nursing it right there. Never moving. See, it's, we're not asking for either one of those. We're saying do both. Have the mass of God's word. Man, what happens when a freight train gets moving? Do you put stop signs in front of a freight train? No. That's ridiculous. No. <laughs> what happens when that big old thing gets going full throttle? Man, it's got to have a ton of level ground to keep going. Yeah. But once it gets yes. going, ugh, ugh, you, start, you start it going and it takes a whole lot of energy. Sometimes the wheels even spin on the tracks. Why? Because it's still trying to get all that movement going. Because it's got so much mass. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get this, church. Yeah. And you're like, uh, we're going we're gonna to get this. We're going to push this forward. And what happens when you get it going, though? See, we can't keep stopping every week. You can't keep stopping every time it gets difficult on your, on your job. You can't keep stopping every time that you're, you're a little bit lower on money than you think you should be. Man, we are creating. We've got the mass that we need here at this church. We're going to keep it loading up. But we're trying to gain some movement so that we can create momentum. And then we become unstoppable. Yes. Who's going to stop a train? Even if you try, it takes miles once these things are going. I used to be a bus driver. One of my many hats as as a teacher. I drove buses. For about 10 years. Come on, kids. Get on the bus. The buses that I drove weighed about 30,000 pounds. I'd have 50 to 60 high school kids, depending on how many I was cramming in there at the moment. And you know the one thing? There's a lot of things that you have to do as a bus driver. But the one thing that would immediately get your license completely revoked is if you did not stop at a rail crossing. Do you know why? Because that 30,000 pound vehicle would lose every time to a freight train that was moving. Mm. We had to stop. I had to open doors. I had to open windows. I had to look. Even if I knew nothing was there. You know why? Because the outside chance was we would always lose to that train. Come on. What is it like when the people of God have enough mass 
and enough movement Come that you on. build such momentum that everyone else is afraid of what you're doing in your life. Come on. Come on now, Chris. This is yeah. what I'm talking to you guys yeah. about. This is what I'm talking to this church about. Come on, Gabriel. Creating enough momentum in your life that it's not just you, but it's your lovely daughter sitting next to you, Abigail. Yeah. It's the beautiful families that start going through the generations. You yeah. can't stop us. You better get out of our way because you ain't stopping this. Devil can do whatever he wants and try to do it. It's not going to stop you. Amen. And you can't even stop you. Mm. Let's turn to First Chronicles chapter 12. Boy, y'all get me preaching up in here. So, Pastor, if I get this right as I turn in here, to have freight train force that has generational momentum. Sometimes we just got to get up and move our mass. Yes, mass. we do. Move, Amen. Move, yes. Move your mass. That's what we're saying. That's it. First Chronicles 12, 8. Y'all there? You got, you got to get your ships together. You got to <laughs> move your mass, people. Come on. Woo! Some, some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the desert. They were brave warriors ready for battle and able to handle the shield and spear. Their faces were the faces of lions. And they were swift as gazelles in the mountains. Come on, faces like lions. These were men with mass. To see a lion running after you is so much different than seeing a bee come at you. You can swat a bee, but you can't swat a lion. A lion's just a little bit bigger. It has mass. It has weight. And then to be as swift as gazelles, nimble movement, flexibility, able to... Traverse any terrain in order to obtain its prey and what it's chasing after. Verse 14, these Gadites were army commanders. The least was a match for a hundred and the greatest for a thousand. Oh, there's something special that we begin to hear in this verse 14. That each of these commanders had momentum. Not one of them lacked mass and movement, which meant not one of them lacked momentum. Because they were men who possessed both of these and did something with it for the kingdom. They were dominating the enemy at every turn. Do you hear any sense of loss or lack of victory in these Gadites? Unstoppable. All you hear is an unstoppable victory that keeps moving again and again and again. You take on one, you're going to get a hundred slain. You take on more, you're going to see thousands slain. These Gadites were unstoppable freight trains, massive machines moving with momentum. They had an attitude that says, can't stop, won't stop. What kind of attitude do you need to have momentum? It's can't stop and I won't stop. That's right. You know, since the age of 16, when I fell in love with Jesus in my bedroom, you know what I told the heavenly realms? You know what I told family members that thought that I was in a cult? Can't stop, won't stop. Come on now. That the mass of God that was deposited in me, I am moving with and gaining momentum every single day of my life. I'm not going to be stopped and I'm going to run over everything that gets in my way. There is a surety of victory when you have mass and movement and creating momentum. Imagine taking an object and throwing it at a moving freight train. That freight train is moving around 60 miles an hour. 
Is it going to do anything to the direction of that train? You can even take a 30,000 pound bus and ram it in the side. And because it's moving at a fast rate of speed, it will be undeterred from staying on its tracks and direction. Let me share this with you. This is for each and every person in this room. When just one believer, one man or woman of God has mass, a word from heaven given to you, and it's matched with movement by the Spirit, just one of you, the result in you and from you every time will be momentum. The result every time will be overwhelmingly unstoppable victory. Just one. That's what I hear in the Gadites. Not one of them were failures. Not one of them were losers. Not one of them were quitters. Every single one of them were victors. Because they possessed mass and movement that created momentum. Turn to Psalm 119, verse 30. Church, there's a reason that we picked momentum tonight. It is a scientific formula instilled by God as part of his plan. Pastor, are you saying that it is predictable? Yes, I'm saying it's predictable. I'm saying that if you have the mass of God in, through his word, you have the movement of God in his spirit, it will produce a momentum of, of God in you that is absolutely unstoppable. Look what Psalm 119 verse 30 has to say about that. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord, but do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands. I have the mass of your word and I am running after it, full throttle, on level ground, because you set my heart free, Lord. Man, I am so free, I'm going to keep going. You know why? I don't have to worry. I don't have to be burdened about making and being stopped in this. Boy, isn't that why most of us have difficulty on a day-to-day basis? You're afraid you're not going to win. You're afraid you're not going to succeed. Pick the endeavor. Pick the day. You're afraid that if you you move to do what God said, that you're somehow not going to have enough to complete it. The problem is, is you don't get enough to complete it until you begin to move with God's word. Man, we're going to run because we have that kind of freedom. Yeah. I want to read another verse to you just real quick. Psalm 147, 15. I'll just read it to you. It says this. He sends his commands to the earth. His word yeah. runs swiftly. Yeah. Come on now. You didn't know that was there. I know you read it before, <laughs> but you didn't know that was there. He sends his commands to earth. His word runs swiftly. What happens when the Word of God is moving swiftly? What kind of momentum does that build? That's more than a freight train because it's the Word of God moving. Come on, what is God building in us tonight? He is building momentum in us. He's reminding us of the attitude of a victorious, unstoppable church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you have to stand up and be every day because that is who you are. Come on, church, let's go to John chapter 1. Say momentum when you're there. Do you want to be a freight train? Do you want to be unstoppable? 
Do you want to be overwhelmingly victorious? Well, we have a model of all models for momentum. It starts here in John 1.14. The Word, the Mass, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now, who are we speaking about when it says the Word became flesh? Jesus, Yeshua, the perfect Son of God. That the Word of God manifests has now become the ultimate example of God's Word becoming mass, becoming a tangible, a weighty substance from heaven, living and then moving on earth. But let me ask you this. The day that Jesus was born, was he born a full-grown man ready to go in ministry? I mean, six feet tall, maybe five foot six, born with a linen garment, ready to go to Cana and turn water into wine. Day one. No. How about the first week? Beth, uh, the first five years of his life, was he ready? No. But you know what? Something that's interesting is that we have to look at how the Word of God became flesh and how it developed in the most perfect scenario. This gives us a reference point of what needs to happen inside of us. See, He was the Word of God, the mass manifest of God's presence. But there was more that had to be developed over time. He had to grow up. He had to develop. He had to mature. Even at the age of 12, you remember the story when his, his parents forgot him at the temple? Some of us have forgot our kids. At home, probably. They forgot Jesus at the temple. When they returned back, they found him engaging in conversation and amazing the teachers at the temple, right? Now, he did something very unique that we have to pay attention to. Though he was demonstrating himself to have mass in that moment, showing who he was by the answers and the questions that were being given, he submitted himself to his parents, and he returned back with them. And he told them, hey, didn't you know I would be about my father's business? He knew who he was, the mass of who he was. But he moved in obedience with that mass because he was still following his father's voice. There was no selfish ambition within him. Luke 2.52 says this. And Jesus grew. This is after he's returning back home with his parents. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And in favor with God and men. That this mass that was the word of God that become flesh. A baby. Inside of Mary's womb. Birth. He grew, age of 12, now returning back in obedience to his parents. It had to further develop. It had to increase and gain mass, gain movement so that it could gain momentum. That there is radio silence about Jesus' life from the age of 12 to the age of 30. 18 years of growing in wisdom. 18 years of growing in stature in favor with God and men. See, Jesus had to grow in mass. 
He had to grow in favor with God and men in order that he would then create momentum when it was time to begin to move in ministry. The Spirit said, By the Father's voice, this is my Son, whom I'm pleased. Listen to him. See, he waited on the Father's voice to speak, the Spirit to descend as a dove, to move him into the next phase of what he was ready for. He became a model of a freight train of faithfulness whose momentum could not be stopped. What's affecting us right now is the momentum that began inside of Yeshua. Like Pastor said earlier, there are no stop signs for freight trains. You are called to be an unstoppable vehicle of heavenly mass destruction. I'm talking about the kind that breaks down barriers of demonic bombardments. The kind that is crushing chains of carnal captivity. Amen. The kind that is rolling through rocky soil of men's hearts, leaving a trail of good soil that produces 30, yeah. 60, and 100 fold. Right. See, when just one believer has mass, the word of God that's given them, and it is matched with movement by the Spirit, the result will always be momentum and overwhelming victory. Man. If this is what it looked like for the perfect son of God, what should it look like for us? It should look exactly the same. Exactly the same that we must grow in mass. We must grow in movement so that we can gain momentum that is unstoppable. Come on, turn with us to Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 2. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And standing beside the sea, those who had been given, uh, who had been victorious over the beast and the, his image and over the number of his name. These are the victors. These are the ones who are, have overcome the enemy. They held harps given them by God. Don't make fun of harps. Don't you do it. These harps were given by God. And these victors sang the song of Moses. Somebody say Moses. Moses. The song of the one who wrote the Torah. The song of the word. A song of mass. And the, and the song of the Lamb. The song of the very Spirit of God that is here before them. And listen to what they said. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the Ages. See, these people who had been victorious, they sang about mass and they sang about movement. They were singing the song of momentum here in the book of Revelation. That the deeds, the movement of God's people and the ways, the very word, the very mass of God's people. And it's saying that you are victorious, O God. We are victorious because you are victorious. They're singing a song that's called Momentum, here in the heavens, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. Say Momentum whenever you're there. As you go, preach this message. 
the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, Saints, what we see in this very first verse are the first two elements in what it takes to create momentum. As you go, that's movement. Preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. That's mass, that's weight, that's substance from heaven. And what does the momentum look like? You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. You will cleanse those who have leprosy. You will drive out demons. This is a promise that was made to the disciples, but it's almost a promise, also a promise that's been made to you. Every single one of you in here, you have the mass. You have the opportunity to have movement, to be as you go preaching the same message and experiencing the exact same momentum. That the power of God is at your disposal as you are moving with the substance and weight and mass that he's given you. And it's free. How the verse ends is that freely you have received, freely give. Come on, you've been freely given mass weight from heaven. You've been freely given the spirit that moves you to take that mass in the direction of heaven and see the momentum of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. You're free to be a freight train. You're free to be unstoppable. You're free to give others the same momentum that you have received. Do you want to be a freight train? Yes. Then we got to get moving with the mass that he's given us. Let's turn to Luke 16, 16. Come on now. Familiar passage, but uh, not sure if you understood that there was a definition of momentum in one of our favorite verses in the whole word. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news, somebody say that's mass. That's mass. Of the kingdom of God is being preached. Somebody say that's momentum. That's momentum. That's movement. Sorry. (laughs) Being preached is the movement that we have. And everyone is forcing his way into it. Now say that's momentum. That's momentum. The good news of God's kingdom is being preached and everyone is forcing his way in. Every one of us get to become like a freight train, unstoppable, immovable, on the track for what God has. And look at this, verse 17. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. When you walk with the mass of God's kingdom, the good news of his kingdom... When you begin to move in preaching, you get the momentum. It's easier to do away with the heaven and the earth than it is to stop the freight train of your faith that gets moving. It's easier. It is a much easier process to try to undo everything around you than to stop you from moving forward. Come on now. That is an encouragement tonight. It's easier to stop heaven and earth than to stop sons of God who have the momentum of the word and the spirit at work in your life. Come on now. What difficulty do you have that's keeping you today from doing this, from gaining the momentum? Pastor, I'm not sure I can. Apparently the word thinks you can. Apparently the word inside of you, as it begins to move and create momentum, declares that not only can you, but you will. You become unstoppable. This is what we have as we develop momentum. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to pull up Galatians 5, 7.
the word that the Lord has given us, and as pastors helping us, is create a confidence that we can be unstoppable freight trains with mass and movement that creates momentum. But here's some things that we have to have honest introspection. Letting God's word and letting God's spirit measure precisely where we are. Galatians 5, 7 says this, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? In other words, what he's asking is, hey guys, you had some momentum. You'd, you'd built up a mass and a movement that was creating momentum, but what happened? What happened to that ever-increasing mass? Whatever happened to that ever-increasing movement? Which one is it that your heart and your life falls into? Do you have substance from heaven, that mass, but you're too fearful to move along with it? Momentum is slowing down. Or do you have the zeal to move, but no mass to go along with it? What is an obstruction that is hindering momentum from increasing and growing in your walk? Because it's our goal as pastors to be right behind you, pushing you, edifying you, strengthening you, getting you the mass from, from heaven that you need, helping you with the movement forward so that together we can have momentum in the kingdom of heaven. So you're designed to be freight trains that are creating momentum for the kingdom. Every single one of your lives is designed to make an impact on earth as heaven is being displayed through you. Who or what is cutting into you? Has a fence gotten in the way and slowed down your momentum? Has fear, has pride, maybe an inward hatred of correction starting to lessen your momentum in the kingdom? Now is our time. Now is our time to let the word and spirit weigh our motives of our hearts, the condition of our souls. With a cry that says, Lord, we want to repent so we can get restored. We can get back to that place of creating momentum, taking the mass that you've given us and moving with it out of obedience. We want to get back to that place where we're running full steam ahead and in complete unity with the Father and with each other. Let's take this time to come down to the altar to let these things be crushed and cut off from our lives so that we can have the momentum that we need in this kingdom. Heavenly Father, we welcome your spirit and your word to come, weigh and measure our hearts, our minds, our will and emotions. Lord, that we may repent of what is hindering us, preventing us from increasing in mass, increasing in movement, increasing in momentum. Lord, that we may find your strength, your word at work in us, your spirit leading us, and get back to that place of ever-increasing momentum. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for giving us your word and spirit to help us. Amen.